Hello and welcome to this week's My News Wrap, news from the world of SAP, Microsoft and the world in between. Now you might say, didn't he say last week that there is no video this week? And yes, I said that last week, so I, I'm pre-recording this video on Friday the 29th of April because tomorrow on Saturday I have um, some, some reasons not to record the video. Um, now, why did I do that? Well, first of all, I had the time this Friday to pre-record it. And second, uh, this week there was uh, one session that I will reference later by Gold Roden. And there he made a shout out for um, this show, which I, I really was happy about that, that he mentioned that. And I, I really appreciated that. So, so thanks a ton for that. And he said, yeah, that's, that's coming up every Saturday. With, with news from the, the IT ecosystem, focusing on SAP and Microsoft. And I thought, yeah, except for this Saturday. So I yeah, was struggling and thought, hey, I, I have to do it because this shout out was so nice. I highly appreciate it. And I don't, I want to stick to that. And uh, that's why I um, recorded this video. Uh, it's pre-recorded. So there is one thing that I will not be able to, to highlight for you. I will mention that in a second. Um, when passing the topic, but um, all the other news are, I think, valuable and up to date. And with that, let's start with the SAP side of the house. Um, first things first, there is a little blog post or a little uh, article by Rui Nugera about the SAP, uh, not the SAP, the BTP Setup Automator, which is an open source tool in order to set up services on BTP. And this is now also part of the SAP Discovery Center, at least of one mission within the SAP Discovery Center, um, with respect to setting up the um, central inbox with the SAP Task Center. And this really makes your life easier. Um, hopefully, that will be also picked up by other missions. So take a look at that one. Take a look at the BTP Setup Automator, because that is, from my perspective, really a cool tool that helps you overcome... Uh, some glitches, edges on the BTV um, and helps you with setting things up. With that, I want to highlight also again the two minutes of cloud native videos that are published by the SAP developer uh, advocates. They are coming out now at a regular basis. Uh, they are pushed out now on a regular basis, focusing um, up to now on, on very um, generic well, let's say generic uh, information around cloud native. So, so focusing, of course, on, on Kubernetes containers and so on. And there is one new one this week that came out this week about um, container image registries. But um, it will now go, I think, more into depth than also of Kima and something like that. Highly appreciated. Um, quite cool um, and short, concise videos about the topic. So definitely worth watching. With that, let's switch to... Um, the Microsoft side of the house, starting, of course, with serverless. Um, first blog post that I would like to highlight about serverless is by Bill Belida. And it's about building an event streaming app with Azure Functions, Event Hubs, and Azure Cosmos DB. And the blog post is, is quite extensive. Um, of course, first talks about what's the, the setup, what's the use case, so what will be built. And then it will really create the infrastructure using BICEP. Um, so all the components that are used, and that also includes the role assignment, um, are 
written down using biceps so that's really cool and then of course also the creation of the um, business logic via the Azure functions it's .NET based so it's, it's C sharp code um, but I think that's again another very common use case with Azure functions and it's great to see also the um, setup being delivered as infrastructure as code then one one second news from the pure serverless side um, you probably know Azure Functions University, which delivers um, content around learning Azure Functions. And Mark Duca now decided also to use discussions in order to interact with people using Azure Functions University, with people learning from Azure Functions University. Um, I have referenced the discussion um, area within the show notes. It's a little quiet still there, but um, I would highly um, recommend and and say hey go to that area and interact with um, Mark with all the um, um, folks who are supporting the Azure Functions University. Give your feedback, give your ideas, give put in your wishes, your questions. Um, that's really great place to be. And I also highly appreciate that Mark uses um, discussions within GitHub. Because that way you do not have to jump to a completely different another, I don't know, Discord channel, Slack, whatsoever. So um, that's that's really I think uh, great. With that, um, let's switch to the container side and um, to make it not too steep, let's start with the serverless containers, so to say, with the Azure Container apps. There are some news that came out this week. First of all, the um, ASAT CLI now has a container app up and deploy command. And this will allow you to deploy your Azure container app from a local source or from GitHub. And um, it will make your life easy with respect to the defaults um, when it comes to uh, Azure container registry, when it comes to log analytics workspace, when it comes to the environment and so on. So it will make some, some educated guesses on how those things should get set up. So you do not have to care about that. Um, nevertheless, you can influence how things are set up. You can customize uh, the, the command. And that's, um, I think, really cool and makes your life easier, especially when you think about the idea of, of Azure Container Apps. And there is also one new feature that uh, came out this week um, about authentication and authorization within Azure Container Apps, which are still in preview. Don't forget that. Um, so you can now um, use some uh, built-in authentications with um, several providers, like, of course, Azure Active Directory, what a surprise, um, Facebook, GitHub, Google, Twitter, and any OpenID Connect provider. So from, from my perspective, that's kind of comparable to what's available within the uh, static web apps. So again, another topic that makes your life very, very easy when you use Azure Container Apps. Now switching to more the, the um, non-serverless container part, one great blog post that I would like to highlight by Thorsten Hans on um, how to lint Docker images, making use of a tool called Dockle. Now, why would you want to lint Docker images? Well, that's the answer that is given in the first section because you want to enforce security best practices. You want to minimize attack surfaces by, by hardening your containers and you want to establish best practices and prevent, let's say, anti-patterns um, within your container image, so, so your Docker file. 
and Docker can help you with that. And this blog post guides you through what, how you can install it and how you can use it. So I think that's really super valuable. And then another blog post, also more about the basics, um, that is, I think, really helpful and a big source of misunderstanding when it comes to Kubernetes. And it's about Kubernetes CPU requests. So the thing that your deployment um, uh, reserves um, and, and Kubernetes guarantees, um, demystified. So usually when you think or when you look at, at dashboards or uh, uh, UIs around Kubernetes, what you will probably see is the current usage of the resources within the Kubernetes cluster. So basically a kubectl top node. Um, this blog post gives you quite some insights on the CPU requesting that is also taking place and that is at least as important as the um, current resource consumption. So really, really cool thing. Then um, also something that I really like when it comes to um, learning Kubernetes or in general learning, there is a little uh, comic uh, provided by Google around smooth sailing with Kubernetes that guides you through uh, the, 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 well, let's say Kubernetes as a whole gives you a rough overview in the style of a comic strip. Really, I I think that this is a cool way um, to to provide uh, knowledge and I really like it and it's really nicely drawn, so quite cool. And then another news from uh, CNCF and Istio. So this week, Istio has applied to become a project in within CNCF, so they, they pulled in the, the pull request to um, apply for that. And now the, the process within CNCF um, starts and a uh, decision will then be taken if Istio becomes a member. That was quite surprising. I think Istio was one of the, the service mesh providers that um, wanted to make their own foundation, if I'm not completely mistaken, but maybe I'm mixing up something there. And now, well, I think the, the move is just right to go to the CNCF, which is kind of the de facto uh, governance standard when it comes to cloud-native computing. Now, having said that, there was also a bit of trouble this week around CNCF, um, not specifically about the, the governance of projects, but um, there is the CNCF and KubeCon happening um, in Spain. And there was quite some trouble this week because uh, CNCF brought out the, the announcement that there will not be um, any um, face masks allowed within uh, the, the conference area, if I got it correctly. And um, I have referenced some tweets around that, just if you stumble across that, because I think the, the discussion will go on. And this discussion also... Um, came to, to the, the point where several CNCF ambassadors stepped back. So they, they were CNCF's ambassadors and they said, okay, please um, put me on the alumni list. Um, the original tweet that was kind of the, the trigger for that was, was removed. And there is now one, one tweet of the, the CNCF area that highlights that. Um, so the mask, the mask mandate is now still up again or is up again, I have to say. Um, but um, there is quite some things going on. Now, why do why do I highlight that? Um, not because I want to bash CNCF, but I want to 
to highlight that after two years of pandemic, I think you have to be a bit more careful with saying, hey, get rid of your masks because there are quite some people who are not comfortable when going to such a large conference with thousands of people um, and not wearing a mask after two years of pandemic. And we, we are still there. So the, 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 the rates of COVID positives are still high. There is less testing and so on. I don't want to go into that down that rabbit hole, but um, please be a bit more empathic um, on both sides with respect to that topic um, because there, people are afraid and I can absolutely rely on that. Now, um, let's get back to technology and to easier topics. Uh, and let's switch to the area of DevOps and GitHub. Uh, last week, I referenced um, GitOps with um, one general introduction and uh, one uh, video that was about um, uh, Fluxity as one option to, to implement Git, uh, GitOps from, from a technical perspective. And here is another blog post that I would like to highlight about deploying microservices with GitOps that is now focusing on Fluxity. Eh, not on Fluxity, on Argo City. Flux CD last week, Argo CD this week. Um, yeah, it guides you through about yeah what are microservices, what are challenges, and um, then <clears throat> tells you how to, to implement GitOps making use of Argo CD. It's more an overview, so it's not going too deep into technology, but I think that's kind of complementing what was there last week. And then um, one video that came out this week in the... Um, series called Schooled In by uh, Johnny Gibbs about, um, well, technical topics, uh, giving an overview. And this week is really interesting. It was about AKS Bicep Accelerator with Kevin Evans. There is also a link within the, the announcement blog post that also contains the YouTube video um, to the GitHub repository on the um, called AKS Construction and um, or AKS Bicep Accelerator. And this one is really cool because um, if you're starting with AKS, you probably want to have a setup that, um, especially in the enterprise um, area, has uh, or, or follows security guidelines, is compliant with the well-architected framework, with the cloud adoption framework, so with, with CUF, um, and, and is kind of enterprise-grade. And this repository gives you the the tools at hand and the bicep um um, templates at hand in order to achieve that. So if you're starting with AKS, especially in the enterprise area, please take a look at um, this repository. Then um, from the GitHub area, quite some news there. Um, Git.io, uh, Git.io, so the, the Git.io URL, so the, the um, link shortener and redirect uh, service was deprecated and it should go away um, effective on Friday, April the 29th, so today. And um, that, that was announced quite some time ago, so that was announced in January. Now, uh, there are quite some papers also in the scientific area that rely on that service, so uh, GitHub uh, decided to have uh, a read-only Git.io URL redirection service. Um, that, that there are some, um, let's say, um, 
limitations with with respect to the service, but uh, that makes uh, life easier with uh, some some print documentation research papers that use that service. They will continue the um, the evaluation if it's really necessary to use it with each and every uh, um, URL that is shown. So. Um, the um, amount that, that that is covered with respect to URLs that, that are redirected will be getting less and less. But good news is that some um, papers are still safe. Then um, GitHub Desktop 3.0 um, came out and brings you better integration for your pull request. I have referenced the um, announcement blog post that guides you what is getting better and um, what improvements have been done with respect to pull requests. Then for the OS developers out there, there is now a public beta for the Mac OS 12 GitHub hosted runner. So for all of you who do um, OS development, they uh, need that runner in order to build um, with Swift and Mac OS 12 is out now. So I think, so at least in a, in a better phase. So you can use that. Then um, one news that I think I have referenced last week or the week before about secret scanning. So within organizations that are using GitHub Advanced Security, you can now prevent um, secrets that are leaked within your code in web commits. So um, I think it was the last announcement was that from the command line, you could now no longer commit uh, that if you have the advanced security feature switched on. And now that's also not possible anymore from the GitHub web editor. So also there um, for repositories, repositories with push protection, um, GitHub will block those pushes where those tokens are detected. Um, you can overcome that, so there is a way to bypass that. Um, but I think that's really super helpful and will um, improve security of a lot of repositories. Then a very short update on um, the new GitHub issues features that came out. So one thing, a very small thing, but quite useful is how to create and delete fields. Um, from issues, so, so your custom fields, you could do that from the table view already. Now you can also do that from the settings page. And then another one that I think is quite interesting to see, um, that's about the, the charting that is available and you can now group by custom fields, uh, which I think gives a bit of the idea where things are heading to. So I think you will have more and more improvements in that area with respect to charting and um, that will improve the usability um, of this feature within GitHub. Then um, another blog post from the security area about best practices to keep your project secure, especially with respect to dependencies. So this blog post guides you through what to, to think about um, dependencies, um, that you have to understand your dependencies and um, how to make then your code more secure in understanding these dependencies. Quite, quite useful with respect to the software supply chain. And then um, one more from the area of uh, GitHub and the engineering. That's more an introduction blog post, a 101 blog post about friendly forks. So what are friendly forks? When do you use them? How do you use them? Um, what variants are out there with respect to upstream contributions and so on? Quite interesting to read from my perspective, especially if you're starting with GitHub. Then from the broader um, area of, of Microsoft, there is a blog post series called Getting Rid of Credentials in Azure. 
there are already uh, two parts out there and there's now a third part uh, talking about easy auth and managed identities that's why i highlighted it um, in my show notes because i think that's kind of the hot topic when you are working on azure you will have to to let's say refactor all your stuff in order to use managed identities because that's the the way to go and then another blog post um around the topic of azure service bus and sagas so if you want to have um uh if you have an event driven setup with several messages happening and let's say you have you have payments you have an order and you have payments for that order and you have a shipping and the order is fulfilled if the payment um, went through and the item was shipped successfully. Now, if you do that in an event-driven way, you have this, this loose coupling, which is good. But if now one of those events fails, um, how do you compensate the stuff? How do you uh, do that? And that's where sagas come into play. And um, this blog post guides you through on how to implement sagas with the Azure Service Bus. And then um, one video from uh, Golo Roden, again, um, that came out this week and is kind of a successor of the videos that talk about why um, the native web chooses or broadens their portfolio with uh, Go as a language. And within the last video, uh, Golo mentioned that they want to avoid even deeper lock-in than they have already with their TypeScript setup to the Microsoft ecosystem. And this video now elaborates what's behind that. So, so why does uh, Golo and, and also the members of the company see it as a, as a valid reasoning? And the, the video is, as usual, super objective. So there is no bashing or, or something like that. Um, and a very valid reasoning why um, they want to, yeah, be not super dependent on, on Microsoft or want to get a bit away of that as far as they can. And very interesting, very valid points from my perspective within the video, definitely worth watching. Um, and now I'm at the point where um, you will see now, this is pre-recorded on Friday, so I cannot yet reference the world in between SAP and Microsoft, namely the weekly SAP on Azure podcast by Holger Bruchelt and colleagues. So um, please check that out when you see that this video is out. Um, the SAP and Azure video podcast for this week should also be available. I will reference it in the GitHub show notes as soon as it's out. But yeah, due to the pre-recording, that's the price that I have to pay. And with that, let's switch to um, uh, learning and events. So two more videos by Golo Roden. So again, the three times mentioning, um, first of all, and that's the reason why you see this video today, uh, the video, the live stream this week, migration on Node.js 18. That was really short. So the migration kind of went through quite quickly, which was an, an upgrade of Node and a new install of the MVM packages. And that was it. And then the remaining hours, Golo and, and David went through their... Um, um, music maker uh, project that they implemented in TypeScript using uh, the builder pattern this time or applying the builder pattern or variant of it, I would say. Um, super interesting to see. Quite nice video. And there, there the shout out happened. 
And then another video about HTTP status codes and why all or most of us are using them wrong. Again, if you are doing API development, if you are using HTTP status codes, watch this video. Definitely worth it, definitely something to learn. And yes, I also used them uh, the wrong way at some points. Then uh, one video by Eberhard Wolf on events, event sourcing and CQRS. Also worth watching, talking about the um, uh, the basics, um, event storming, DDD, where, where do the things come from, and then going into the area of the technical implementation with uh, CQRS. So uh, definitely something to watch. And another video from um, the Azure Friday series by Scott Henselman about architecting multi-tenant solutions on Azure. So that's something that's really a, a hot topic from my perspective. And this is something where you, where any guidance is appreciated. So when you architect multi-tenant solutions on no matter what cloud platform, you are happy if you have some guidelines. And this, um, well, will you first of all guides you through um, what what's available, and of course has then all the references on the um, Azure documentation on uh, things that help you with that task. And then uh, upcoming events. First thing from the Azure Rosenheim meetup, it's a virtual event, so you can join from anywhere about uh, several topics. Um, Azure Managed Grafana, so the service that I referenced uh, last week by, um, by a blog post that I've highlighted, um, and um, the Terraform support from Azure with the ASET API Terraform provider and the Azure Terrafy um, feature. So that's definitely something that um, you should sign up. I think it's always great content by, by Nico and his co-hosts. Um, so definitely worth watching. And Microsoft Build, I think uh, Reserve the Date was something that I mentioned a few weeks ago. And now you can register for Microsoft Build. Registration is open. So uh, you can sign up now. And then kind of a result of the clash around CNCF that I mentioned, or not CNCF, about the, the KubeCon uh, and CNCF. Um, there is now a request or a, a call for interest, um, an evaluation of interest for a community-driven conference called uh, Cube Huddle. And you can uh, sign up for updates and say, well, what would I be? Would I be an attendee, a speaker, a sponsor? And register your interest. I've also referenced the blog at uh, the blog post, the tweet um, by David Flanagan. Um, on on this um, topic. So it's not yet a conference um, um, that is happening, but maybe something that is community-driven, um, which might be interesting. Then let's move on to um, developer experience and developer productivity. First of all, Oh My Posh. Oh My Posh is now also installable for those who are using Windows via Winget. I don't know how long that is the case, um, but I think that's now the preferred way on how to install on my posh via Winget. Then um, if you're working with JSON and who doesn't work with JSON um, in these days, there is a tool, maybe you know it already, I came across it this week. Um, it's called JSON Visio, and that allows you to visualize your JSON um, files into interactive graphs, um, showing you the um, 
yeah, connection of all the different entities that are within your JSON file. And then last but not least this week, well, quite some stuff happened also in the social media area. <clears throat> Namely, uh, Elon Musk made his offer for Twitter, and that was not well received um, by by a lot of people. And um, the Mastodon, um, which is kind of a, of a yeah another a social media thingy um, like Twitter, um, got quite some um, well some shout out first of all, and also um, quite some folks moved to Mastodon, and there is a Really cool blog post that's not new, but it was updated this week. Surprise, surprise, by Kat, Kate, Kat Marchand. I hope I pronounce it correctly. About a quick start for Twitter users um, who want to move over to Mastodon, and I've referenced it um, because I think that's that's something that um, might also be of interest for you. Um, why do I reference that? Because I think that the sign up and and the, the way Mastodon is organized is completely different to to Twitter, of course. And you have to get used to that one. So um, if you want to get started, I think that might be quite helpful. With that, I'm at the end of today's session. I hope I had some interesting news for you. Um, hope you see some things to catch up to, to learn. And uh, with that, I wish you a very nice Saturday, a great Sunday and a very successful next week. See you again next Saturday, which will then be a real Saturday video. Until then, 